Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. Today's episode is focusing on a topic we might forget to talk about with our children as they go through puberty. Yet, upon thinking about it, it makes sense that we talk about it. And that topic is body image. To help out on this episode, I invited Debbie Sarafim, who is a body relationship coach. Thank you so much for being here today, Debbie. Do you mind saying hi to our audience and telling us a little bit about your background? Hi, everyone. Lori, thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited to be here. Um, my, My background of how I got into body relationship coaching. Um, It actually started when I was very young, way before I knew I was going to be a body relationship coach. I was raised by a mom who um, she's 72 and to this day, she still has an eating disorder. So she put me on my first diet at the age of six. And at the age of six, I, without ever being said, you know, what a body should look like. I was very early taught that there are good bodies and there are bad bodies. Um, And that if you don't have a good body, you should be doing everything in your power to fix it, to make it a good body. Um, And so that by the time I was in high school, I had a full-fledged eating disorder. I sought treatment and I got help with a therapist and a dietitian, and I got rid of the behaviors, but um, shocker, I still hated my body and everything was sort of like, oh my God, is this worth it? I don't, what, hmm. Um, you know, everything was a weighted pun intended, um, you know, decision is, is, is this food worth it? Do I have to atone for it? Is, am I going to hate myself in the morning? And so, uh, I came out to Los Angeles to be an actress, which also has a lot of sort of body expectations. Um, I was not a very successful actress, uh, but I became a personal (laughs) trainer to pay the bills. And I thought this is going to be great. People are going to just pay me to, to stay thin and all, you know, the whole thing. Um, and, uh, I had a very different experience. All these different women came to me, kept asking me to fix different parts of their bodies, some models, some, not all different shapes, sizes, colors, you name it. And I remember having the experience of thinking like, when are they going to notice that my stomach isn't right? Like when are, when are they going to figure out I'm the fraud? And that's when I sort of had that realization of, oh, the way we feel about our body is not actually about what our body looks like, right? Because we've got all these, again, every, every woman I spoke to, every size, shape, color, you name it, every woman here is apologizing for something and trying to fix something. And we're all looking at the other one going, I I don't know, I want to look like you or this, this is, you know, all that sort of stuff. So the way we feel about our body is not actually a symptom of something being wrong with our body. The way we feel about our body is a symptom of a very broken culture that has very unrealistic body expectations. Um, And so I took a step back because I didn't really know how to continue being a personal trainer without sort of propelling the myth that bodies should look a certain way and your exercise and health routine should look a certain way. And that's when I started you know, I did, I did some exploration. I did some extra work and I, um, became a body relationship coach. And now I help 
people. And I've actually recently started working with teens and tweens, which is very cool. Make peace with their body because, you know, my kids, my kids right now are about to be seven and five. They'll be seven and five next week, but they've already come home with comments of like, so-and-so said, this makes you this, or, you know, so-and-so said, if you eat this, you'll get fat or this. And all of these messages, um, that, that fat bodies or bad bodies are already there. And so how do we feel good about our bodies in a world that tells us that there's one specific way for a body to look that, that most of the public doesn't fit into. So, yeah. So now I help people make peace with their body. I do this through, you know, one-on-one coaching and group coaching and all that stuff, but it's been really exciting to sort of see as it's been evolving, where it opens up, where you can start to feel good about yourself in ways that you didn't, that you didn't even know you could, because you thought it was all about looks for a while, but the body image kind of bleeds into everything else. So you get to feel your, your intelligence, you get to feel your, um, your humor, you get to feel your fun side and your serious side and your playful side and all of that. When you start to really see yourself fully as a full as a full body, as opposed to just, as opposed to just sort of the size you're supposed to be. I'm so glad that you brought up this culture because I believe that past generations have, they do focus at times on the body size Mm -hmm. and they be very critical to themselves and others in which I know I have relatives Mm -hmm. that when I see them, they'll point out very quickly, oh, you gained a couple of pounds or, Mm -hmm. oh, you got wrinkles or, and I'm like, well, I'm aging. So I'm supposed to have wrinkles as I age yet. It's, it's so much of that culture. And I know Mm -hmm. there's not malintent behind it because that was how they were raised. And that was what was going on. Like size was a thing. So I think it's really neat that you're choosing this path, you know, this whole body relationship coach. And I know you've already explained a little bit about it, but how overall, how would you define what a body relationship coach is? Like if somebody went to you, what would they expect? You know, well, that's actually, that's a great question. It's, it's a little bit different for everyone, but essentially because just like therapy would be a little bit different for everyone. Right. But essentially I teach you how to love yourself, even when you don't like all of yourself. I don't think you have to like all of yourself to love yourself. I compare the relationship to your body to a relationship with anyone else. And then I use, I use this analogy of my husband and I, and my husband hates this analogy, but I use it anyway. Cause I say he's fantastic. I think he's incredibly sexy. He's a good cook. He's a hands-on dad. He's, you know, we're, we're similarly minded. He's um, really horrible at waking up in the morning. It's like, I have a third child and I cannot stand it. And I hate it. And we have gotten into many, many fights about the fact that um, he doesn't wake up in the morning so much so that like it would start to affect the rest of our day. Cause if he didn't get to something later in the day, then I'd be like, well, if you just woke up when I wanted you to, um, and there was a lot of resentment. And then all of a sudden I really, you know, we've been together almost 15 years and he's never been a morning person. Like he never, he never pretended to be a morning person. And so when I finally realized, you know what? Joe sucks at waking up in the morning. <laughs> like I, I kind, I kind of have to, I have to deal with that. I still don't like it. I don't like it. I wish he, I wish he was a morning person. I'm not going to lie, but I don't have to dislike him for it. Right. And so we still get to have a good relationship. And then the fighting stopped because I kind of came, came, came to terms with the fact, okay, he's, 
he's not great at this morning thing, but, um, okay. I know if he's not going to be great at this morning thing, I know what I need to do to show up and be comfortable in the morning. Right. And then I'm allowed to take care of myself that way. And bonus side, he takes the night shift. So, so it's a trade-off, right? But you, I think that there is this myth, um, in our culture that you have to like everything about yourself. And I think that's sort of is almost where the body positivity movement came out of, right? It's like the body positivity movement is this answer to diet culture where it's like diet culture teaches you to hate yourself. We think you should like yourself. And it's nice if you can, and there are times that you do, but I don't think liking is the goal. I think learning to love yourself, even when you don't like yourself is the goal because you are worth self-care. You are worth love. You are worth, you are allowed to eat even it like you don't have food doesn't have to be only if you're good enough, right? Like all of these things, you don't have to like yourself to love yourself. Um, and so as you work with me, I, I, I help give you tools so that you are allowed to love yourself and not always like yourself. We talk a lot about, I talk about making space for conflicting truths. So you are allowed to have conflicting truths that don't negate each other. So, um, that could be, I think I'm pretty and I don't like my stomach. And they don't have to negate each other, right? Like I can think I'm pretty and I don't like my stomach and me not liking my stomach doesn't make me not pretty. And me being pretty doesn't make my stomach what I want it to be. So it gets to be sort of, we make a space for holding multiple truths. You referred earlier about young people and even your own children, but I want to return back to that about why you believe young people that we need to start talking to them regarding their bodies and their body image. There's so much there, right? Kids today have access to social media in a way that I didn't. I'm 42. So I was one of those kids who went to computer lab and we played the Oregon trail. Um, and that was like my big, <laughs> my big technology, right? But like the kids have access to everything. And, and the thing is, is that this diet culture mentality of what a body is supposed to look like, it's not just in how you feed your kids. It is in how you feed your kids, but it's not just in how you feed your kids or if you tell them that they're pretty or whatnot. It's in the fact that every single, you know, that 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 fat people aren't represented in social media in the same way, right? That if that on most of the TV shows, if someone in a bigger body is playing a character, they're either the funny sidekick or the villain. So this messaging of there is one way to have a body is so ingrained in our culture and, and the kids just have more access to it now, right? Not to mention the fact that my mom's great, but I learned so many of my food behaviors from her and my food behaviors were all catered around. There is a way you should, you can't see air quotes on a podcast. So I'm going to say I'm doing air quotes. There is a way you should look <laughs> if you are taking care of yourself. And it's just not true. Um, bodies come in different shapes, sizes, colors. We, we under, you know, I, I, I think culturally, um, our world teaches people, treats people in thin bodies very differently than it treats people in fat bodies. So I think being afraid of being fat makes sense because I don't want to be treated the way I see other people in fat bodies treated. Thinness is a privilege. Let's put it that way. Thinness is a privilege. You don't get to choose what kind of body you have. And there's a reason that 98% of diets statistically fail. There's a reason that that the average size American is a size, you know, is not a size two, all of these things. And yet we've got this entire 
world of people. It's not just America. It's, it's the whole world, but we've got this world of people that think that there's one way to look and they're willing to go to almost any extreme to get there. And then you have a lot of people really hurting and really feeling like they're failing a lot of the time. And what's pretty wild to me is that people sometimes equate somebody who's slimmer or thin, that they're healthy. Mm -hmm. And that is not the case. That is absolutely not the case. Yeah, you don't know what's going on with their heart and all that kind of stuff. It you thin does not mean healthy. No, thin does not mean and and thank you for being the one to say it. I'm usually the person who has to say that. So thank (laughs) you for saying that. Yes, thin does not equal healthy. In fact, um, I work with a lot of people with eating disorders, and some of the thinnest people I know are some of the least healthy people that I know. But this idea that thin means health. It's discriminate. It's discriminatory, but it's also it's it's dangerous, right? Because then you've got, first of all, you've got people who are struggling in a thin body being told, "Oh, you're fine, you're thin," or "Oh, you're doing great. Keep starving yourself. You look fantastic. That's healthy." But you've also got a world of people in bigger bodies who um, aren't getting the medical attention that they need because they're being prescribed a diet. You know, I can't tell you how many women I have worked with who we've had to figure out an appropriate way to talk to their doctor and say, Hey, I hear that you're telling me you want me to lose weight. I've been trying to lose weight most of my life. What would your advice be to me with my medical condition if I was in a thin body? And that's a hard, that's, it's hard to that's a lot to ask people to have to do all the time, right? But medical professionals are human, just like the rest of us. So we all have fat biases. We all live in the same diet culture world. So we're all impacted by it. So as much as I think it's wrong that a doctor would prescribe weight loss, I'm also like, yeah, but it's a doctor. He lives in the same world that we live in. And that's like a pretty common you know, response. So it's dangerous not to mention the fact that I know a lot of people in fat bodies who have eating disorders who go undiagnosed because we believe that eating disorders mean you're thin and they don't, they don't at all. So some of the people that I know who eat the least amount of food are in big bodies. Nobody wins. That's nobody wins. You don't win. You don't win by being thin. You don't win by being fat. You don't get to win. It's just bad for everyone. Just to let you know, in health education, we have a standard that deals with analyzing influences. And that's a skill set in which if a young person wants to see why people do things like, why do we have this obsession with body, a certain type of body? It's to like explore, is there something within our community, in institutions, in our interpersonal relationships, within ourselves? So it's making them analyze things so they realize that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can have the same body shape because we're all different. Mm -hmm. And then I also tell my students that, you know, part of my body shape, that's my inheritance. I got it early in life. These hips are my inheritance. Mm -hmm. And I got, I have to appreciate the inheritance because that's what I have. Yeah. (laughs) So let's continue with that in which how can a parent or other caregiver then support young people having a healthy relationship with their body? I think that as parents, we really want, and again, I'm a parent of two kids. And I think as a mom, I want 
nothing more than my kids to be happy. And when they come home and they're five and seven, so we have, you know, drama happens on different levels at different stages, but when they come home upset that someone said something or something, we want to fix it. I'll give you actually an example. My daughter is my, my daughter is about to be seven. My son is about to be five. They're the same size. My daughter runs very, very tiny. She has not done anything to be a tiny person. She's just tiny. My son is going to be much bigger than her as he grows up. And not just because he's, you know, a guy and guys tend to be bigger. He's going to be bigger because she's, she's going to be a tiny, tiny person. And she's some, she's the smallest kid in her class. Her best friend is the tallest kid in her class. And she's come home and she's been upset about it. And she's been like, I want, I just, I don't know, Aurelia's bigger and I really want to be more like Aurelia. And I think, again, as parents, we want to be like, no, you're okay. You're, you're great. And I think we need to make a space for some of those uncomfortable feelings, right? We don't want to deny those uncomfortable feelings. What I said to my daughter uh, is I was like, yeah, I hear you. You wish you had a bigger body and you don't get to choose if you get a bigger body. And it's okay to be really frustrated about that. And there's also nothing wrong with your body right? Both of those things can be true. You're allowed to be frustrated and being frustrated by it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. Now, ironically, as the mom, who's the 42 year old and has been through life, I know that, um, that her, her friend being the biggest kid in class, even bigger than the boys, she's probably going to have body image issues as she grows up too. Right. Because nobody wants to be the big person, but nobody wants to be this. You do again, I, I'm going to take it back to you. You don't get to win. Nobody gets to feel good. So it's not, my daughter wouldn't feel good if she were suddenly as tall as her friend, right? Like she'd have something else to feel bad about. But this idea that as a parent, we want to fix it or say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to feel bad. Here's why you don't have to feel bad. Let's let them feel bad and know that feeling bad doesn't have to mean you are bad, right? Because we all end up feeling bad at some point. But I want you to know that feeling bad is just a feeling, right? And all feelings, even the good ones pass. So, okay. You don't have to, just like, I don't have to like my stomach to love my body. My daughter Hildy does not have to like the fact that she is the smallest kid in class for her to be a perfectly lovable, wonderful, fabulous, smallest kid in class. Anyway, did that sort of answer your question? Yes. Yeah. I think, I think it's really about making a space for the feelings that we as parents also don't like having. And that's where the hard ask is, right? Because some of our behaviors as parents, especially, you know, you even said some of this was, this goes back generationally and you see relatives and they're like, oh, you've gained some weight. And this stuff all makes an impact whether we want it to or not. And not only that, and this is the hard part, I think for parents is having the humbling experience of, oh, what messages might I be implying by some of my behaviors that might then be translated as these are good bodies or bad bodies, right? And that could be anything from I'm going on a cleanse because I feel like I'm too bloated after the holidays or I'm not, I, again, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with exercise, but what is, what is your relationship to exercise? Like, does mommy freak out if she doesn't get to her class at the gym because she needs to get these, like, what, what are the messages that we're conveying? And as someone who's work, who's, who works with other people on their relationships with their bodies, I have to say, 
I don't always like the messages I pick up on myself, right? Like I'll notice, Ooh, I just had anxiety when someone offered me a piece of cake. I know there's nothing wrong with having, ah, oh, that's my stuff. And okay, now I'm going to eat the cake so that my kid doesn't think that she can't eat cake. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. so much that goes into it. The hard part is, is that it's not, it doesn't, you don't get to look a certain way when it's over. You don't know that you're doing it right. There's no, and we want to, we want to know that there's a right way to do it, but everybody I know who's doing it again, air quotes, right. Doesn't feel like they're doing it right. Because you, there's no one way. Well, what's your advice when you have a young person in your life who's going through puberty, going through adolescence and their body is changing. Do you have anything like very specific of, okay, talk to them about this or do this because as, and I've explained this to young people, as you're going through puberty, it's very often that you get a little wider first before you mm-hmm. get taller. Like you have this extra skin on your body and you, you might say, Hey, this is some fat here, but that's part of the growing up process because mm-hmm. you need extra body cells there before totally. you stretch out. So what advice do you have regarding that? So a couple things. Yeah. A couple things. Um, first of all, I, yes, I 100% hear you. Puberty is such an awkward stage. I mean, I'm so grateful that we only have to go through it once. And as I say that I'm like, yeah, except for then I have to go through menopause. Like it really never stops, right? Like the, the body changing never stops. And I think that, um, what's interesting about puberty in particular is that it is a societally acceptable time for your body to change. But I think that that's a problem, right? The truth is, is the bodies are allowed to change all the time. You don't Mm -hmm. actually need an excuse. So even as you're saying, you know, it's normal for the body to get wider before it gets taller or before it fills out, there is sort of this implication that getting wider isn't a good thing. And I think we need to recognize, Hey, bodies get wider, right? We're not comfortable. We're not socially comfortable with the fact that bodies get wider. We're taught the body shouldn't get wider, but look how, look how silly that is because look at every single one of your friends is going through it at a different time in different ways, but this is a normal thing, right? And so Mm -hmm. I would almost more bring awareness to, isn't it, isn't it interesting that we are this uncomfortable getting wider when there's nothing wrong with getting wider, right? Because this is not the last time that, that, well, it might be, you never know. Everybody's body is different, but like there's a very good chance this is not the last time in their life that they're going to get wider. And um, my body, I'm, I don't, I no, I no longer diet. I've said goodbye to all of that. And my body is currently changing and shifting and my boobs, like they used, they were never perky as my husband likes to tell me, but, um, but they, they go a little bit more under my armpits now. Like my body has changed shape. And I think culturally, I feel the need to justify that. And I don't have to justify that. So again, so teaching young people to be okay and not have to defend their bodies. You don't have to defend your bodies. Um, everybody, you know, puberty, puberty is, something that happens to everyone. And it also happens a little differently for everyone. So if you're not the kid who gets wider, that's also okay. Right. But again, there's this, there's this assumption that like, you'll be okay. Your body's getting wider, but it's because you're going through puberty and it's fine. Don't worry. It won't, it it won't, it won't always be like that. It might always be like that. Right. And then let's, let's sort of take ownership of, wow, there is a part of me even as I'm saying this, that believes wider isn't as good. And that part of me is wrong. 
that's not a true thing, right? Wider doesn't actually mean you're not as good, but wow, there's a part of me that thinks it does because I'm giving you a reason that it's okay to be wider. And the truth is, it's just okay. You note on your website that you love your body. Mm -hmm. Can I ask, how did you learn to love your body? I taught myself. Um, I think, (laughs) I think, I think I learned to love my body again when I realized I didn't have to like it all the time. Right. I think that, um, when I believed that I think for a very long time, I believed loving your body means you have to love everything about it. And it doesn't. And, um, that doesn't mean that you can't keep working on things or, um, trying to be better, but better doesn't have to like being better doesn't have to be a shape or a size anymore. Right. Because I learned to love my body also when I really accepted the fact that just going to say acceptance. Yeah. I, I really accepted the fact that like, Oh, I don't get a say. I don't get a say in what type of body I have. I say bodies, you can play with like a couple of pounds here and there sometimes, you know, and stuff like, you know, certain foods are extra bloaty. And da, da, da. if you've got like, if you, if you have something you don't want to be bloated for, maybe you eat less bloaty foods. I put air quotes around that too, just so you know, everybody's body is different. There's not like an actual, don't Google less bloaty foods. It's not a thing. Um, but like, you know, you could play with a little bit here and there, but you will notice but like my, my sister is five, eight, I'm five, four. I'm in a very petite body. She's in a very like voluptuous body. I could not be her. If I tried, she could not be me. If she tried, I have always wanted to have her body. She has always wanted to have my body. Guess what? We don't get a say. And she didn't do anything to get that. Right. So I think I was, I learned that it was okay to love your body when I accepted the fact that I don't get credit for the good parts of it, right? Like I don't get credit because I love my smile. I, these no braces, no retainer ever, baby. These teeth are all natural, right? Like I don't get credit for that. It's not something I did. I just happened to be born with straight teeth. Cool, right? So when we release the ego from the value that we, that from, from the value that we believe our looks give us and we're just like, hey, I'm a good person, and I look like this, not I'm a good person because I look like this, then you're allowed to really love yourself. There's something that I've started doing a lot in the health education classrooms, whether it be with college students or younger people, in which appreciating what their bodies can do, certainly acceptance that yeah, you might have a, a body shape. Like some people have bigger calves or bigger mm-hmm. feet or smaller feet. It's it's part of, like you said, it's part of who we are but to appreciate what we're able to do. Mm -hmm. And I had a college student a couple of years ago who um, rolled into my classroom because he was paralyzed from the neck down and he was in a wheelchair and he had somebody with him, whether it be a family member or an aide. And at the end of the thick of the second class, the class session, I went up to him and I'm like, okay, so is there anything in particular I need to do in addition for you? He's like, no, I'm going to just be, you know, I, I'll be in the back. And I was like, yeah, but you're part of this class. and You're going to be a part of this class. And so everybody got to know him and everything, but he gave us the message of stop critiquing your body so much and appreciating it because he mm-hmm. can't even walk like because of something that occurred in his life when he was, I think like 19 years old. 
and so appreciate it. And I think that's sometimes missed. Like we only appreciate if it's a certain way, but why not appreciate the abilities that we have that I am so fortunate that I can get up off of my chair and go walk up the steps. Not everybody can do that. And as we age, you might lose that function. So why not use it now? Well, and let's take that even one step further and say you, even on the days that you don't appreciate it, because I think I, I actually think I really appreciate my body. And as much as I know, I really appreciate my body. I know I appreciate it more on some days than I do on others. Right. So let's also remember that as much as we want to appreciate our bodies, not appreciating them fully doesn't mean that they're any less great. Again, Mm -hmm. this, we don't have to feel it for it to be true, right? Your body is amazing because, because as you say it, I'm thinking of this guy in the wheelchair and I'm like, his body's no less amazing just because he Mm -hmm. can't walk. Right. Like he doesn't have to appreciate the fact that he sits in a wheelchair, um, for it to be totally okay. Right. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with him. So again, having this permission to, yes, of course, I want you to feel good, but feeling like feel You don't have to feel it for it to be true. Your body has value whether you appreciate it in this moment or not. And I'm going to guess that that kid has certain moments where he's like, I can't believe I'm in, this is horrible. My body sucks. Mm -hmm. And there are other moments where he's like, look at how, look at me, I'm thriving and I'm still in a wheelchair. And this is where we come back to the, where I talk about conflicting truths that don't negate each other, right? So both of those truths are totally true in the moment And the truth with a capital T is that his body is great, Mm -hmm. whether sometimes he feels it and it's his truth. Sometimes he doesn't, and it's not his truth and it's always the truth. Right. And so, yes, I do want you to appreciate your body. I also want you to know that if you don't appreciate your body, it doesn't mean that there's nothing to appreciate. Now, before we leave for today, is there anything else you wish to share or say to the audience? Yeah, I actually, I put together, um, and I will share this with you so that you could give it to them. But I put together um, some common phrases that I think we as parents have. I, we, If we haven't said them, we've heard them or thought them. Um, and I put together some common phrases and how to sort of rethink some of these phrases so that you might be okay. able to support your children in a healthy body image a little bit better. Because again, the hard part for us as parents is to remember that about having a good body image is not about having a good body, right? All bodies are good bodies. Having a good body image is being able to make peace with the parts of your body that you don't like. So, um, you know, there, the, this, yeah, this is a little guide that can sort of help parents through some of that. Do you have an example on there? Yeah. For example, uh, one is your kid says, mommy, I feel so fat. You're not fat. You're pretty. Okay. That means to me, I hear, oh, okay. Mommy doesn't think I'm fat. She thinks I'm pretty, but if I was fat, I wouldn't be pretty. Starting to create a space for let's not correct their experience. Not let's not villainize fat. So my thing, if, if my kid were to say that, um, and again, we, we have like a very fat friendly household. So it would be, that would be different in this house, but I would probably say, yeah, well, bodies can be fat and pretty right? One isn't, one doesn't mean it can't be the other. Um, And fat is a normal thing that's on everyone's body. So we don't have to like it, but we need it. 
If somebody would like to get connected with you, Debbie, how can they find you? Yeah, uh, you can check. I have a website. You can check out bodyrelationship.com. That's bodyrelationship.com. Um, I'm also on, uh, you are also welcome to email me. That's Debbie Seraphim. I'll spell, I'm sure it'll be in the caption, but I'll spell it out anyway. Debbie, D E B B I E, Seraphim, S as in Sam, A R O U F as in Frank, I M as in Mary at gmail.com. Debbie Seraphim at gmail.com. But you can check out my website. There's ways to connect with me through there. I'm on Instagram. I'm at body relationship underscore coach. There's so many ways to connect with me. And I respond. I respond to so many messages, which is why I have so many conversations. I've become friends with so many people off of um, Instagram lately who are like-minded body neutrality folk. It's very, very cool. Excellent. And I will have a link for Debbie in our in today's description for the episode. So I do have that link there. So please feel free to connect with her. And Debbie, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate your presence today. Oh, Lori, this was so much fun. Please have me back. I love this. This is really fun. And I think it's such an important conversation to have. Right. Um, so thanks. Thank you for facilitating the conversation and, and bringing it into a parent's awareness. It's something that like it's we would often prefer not to think about. So thank you. Well, again, thank you. And thanks, Lori. For our listeners out there, again, if you want to connect with Debbie, go to her website, bodyrelationship.com. And you can also connect with me at pubertyprof at gmail.com if you want to send me an email or, or pubertyprof.com. So I thank you so much for listening in today. And I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.